Hi everyone, this is Judy Minnick and I'm part of IDEA's content team. Welcome back to a new episode of IDEA's Listen and Learn CEC podcast, the fitness industry's first and only audible CEC program. If this is your first time listening, here's how it works. In this episode, I'm going to read you 22 evidence-based news stories that will bring you up to date on fitness trends, exercise research, and the dynamic fields of diet, food, nutrition, and behavior change science. This episode contains information that has been approved for one CEC by more than 25 approval agencies, including ACE, NASM, AFA, ACSM, and NFPT. In order to claim your CEC, you'll need to pass a short quiz, which is available for purchase in the Idea Store. Look for the link to the quiz in the show notes. To thank you for listening, at the end of the episode, I'll provide you with a coupon code to get 20% off the quiz. But remember, Idea Fit Plus members can access this and all CEC quizzes and courses completely free of charge. Now, research has shown that physical activity increases comprehension. So whether you're out for a run, working out, or just doing the dishes, we encourage you to move while you listen and learn. Let's get started. First, I'll read nine articles from our headlines section that were researched by our colleague and award-winning editor, Shirley Archer Eichenberger. These were originally published in the September-October 2021 issue of Fitness Journal. In addition to the link in the show notes, the articles and the quiz can also be found at ideafit.com under the Articles tab. Article 1. Shorter HIIT workouts still deliver results. Lack of time is one of the most common perceived barriers to training. Maybe that's one reason why high-intensity interval training and its ability to deliver efficient results is popular among all age groups and fitness levels. Published in the Journal of Physiology, a topical research review of 11 low-volume HIT studies found that active interval workouts that take less than 15 minutes, not including rest periods, warm-ups, or cool-downs, can offer significant health benefits related to blood sugar control and metabolic and heart health. For example, in another study by the same authors, Participants who did four minutes of HIT three times per week for 12 weeks significantly improved blood sugar levels, liver fat, and cardiorespiratory fitness. Each workout consisted of a 10-minute warm-up, four minutes of cycling at a rate equivalent to 90% of VO2 peak, and a five-minute cool-down at 50% of VO2 peak. Study authors found that the health improvements were comparable to those experienced by participants who did 45 minutes of moderate-intensity aerobic. While the WHO guidelines may serve their purpose at a populational level, individualized and tailored low-volume HIIT interventions delivered by appropriately trained exercise professionals may be more effective at an individual level, especially for time-poor individuals, said the lead study author. This research is especially important now as people are looking for new and exciting ways to engage in regular exercise after a year of lower physical activity due to the pandemic. Article 2. Motivated to move on. Americans are looking for ways to train outside of their homes. 
And fitness professionals can take advantage of this newly discovered enthusiasm for health and wellness as fitness facilities continue to reopen as the pandemic evolves. An online national survey sponsored by Orange Theory Fitness and conducted in May 2021 found that a majority of Americans are motivated to make positive changes to their physical activity levels. The survey reports that 43% of respondents are planning to set and achieve new fitness goals. Almost one-third of Americans intend to exercise outside of the home more often, with some planning to return to a fitness studio or gym, and others ready to join one for the first time. The findings are based on a nationally representative sample of 1,005 Americans ages 18 or older and are available online. Article 3. HEPA Filters in Airborne Aerosols Fitness professionals and the industry as a whole must restore consumer confidence in the safety and cleanliness of the training environment. In addition to following protocols such as disinfecting stations, gym and studio owners are investing in clean air solutions. A recent study shows that a portable air purifier with a HEPA filter can be sufficient to capture respiratory aerosols, a typical mode of transmission for viruses like COVID-19. Researchers who perform cardiopulmonary exercise testing at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, conducted the study to measure aerosols generated by different exercise intensities. They found that exercise at or above 50% of resting heart rate led to significant increases in aerosol concentration. The higher the exercise intensity, the more aerosols are produced, said study author Thomas Allison, Ph.D. In a follow-up study, researchers evaluated ways to mitigate aerosols generated during exercise by filtering them out of the air. The scientists assessed the use of heating, ventilation, and air conditioning systems only or with the addition of a portable HEPA filter. They tested aerosol clearance time to determine how long it took for 99.9% .9 of aerosols to be removed. Studying clearance time informed us of how soon we could safely bring a new patient into the laboratory after finishing the test on the previous patient. HEPA filters cut this time by 50%. We found that 96%, plus or minus 2%, of aerosols of all sizes generated during heavy exercise were removed from the air by the HEPA filter, said Dr. Allison. Research findings are available in the journal CHEST. You'll find a complete list of tools to improve ventilation on the CDC website as well. Article 4. Evening training may be better for metabolic health. Fitness professionals love to debate many topics, and the best time of day to train is one of them. While no one time is better than another for all individuals or outcomes, Findings from an Australian study showed that, for men who were overweight and at risk of diabetes, early evening training was superior to morning training for managing blood sugar levels and improving fat metabolism. Researchers recruited 24 inactive men who were at risk of developing type 2 diabetes and fed them a high-fat diet for 11 days. The men trained in the morning, in the evening, or not at all. 
we found that exercising in the morning or evening induced similar improvements in cardiorespiratory fitness. But nocturnal glycemic control only improved in the evening exercise group, said the lead study author. This study does suggest that evening exercise may be more beneficial for people with disrupted metabolism than the same exercise done early in the day. But I think it's vital to point out that it's much more important that you keep exercising than what time of day you're doing it. Article 5, Active People, Healthy Nation. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is leading a national initiative to increase physical activity with the target of helping 27 million Americans become more active by 2027. Specific goals include moving 15 million adults from inactive status to some moderate intensity activity every day, getting 10 million adults to meet minimum aerobic physical activity guidelines, and motivating 2 million young people who are only doing limited physical activity to increase that to at least 60 minutes every day. To help meet these goals, join the Active People Healthy Nation Initiative as an individual influencer, organization, or community champion. Article 6, Roll Your Way to More Range of Motion. How many repetitions does it take to improve range of motion? Three, according to research findings published in the Journal of Sports Science and Medicine. Researchers discovered that three reps of foam rolling at 30 seconds each on the medial gastrocnemius increased dorsiflexion range of motion. The study was designed to determine the optimal duration of foam rolling to increase range and decrease muscle stiffness. The range of motion improvement did not reduce muscle strength and dissipated within 30 minutes. Study authors think that results affirm that foam rolling's effects are muscle specific. Article seven, the pink placebo effect. Can the color of a sports drink affect athletic performance? That's how it looks. A small study found that a pink drink can increase exercise performance by 4.4% and can increase the feel-good effect that makes exercise seem easier. Investigators from the Center for Nutraceuticals at the University of Westminster found that 10 male and female study participants, ages 27 to 33, who ran on a treadmill for 30 minutes at a self-selected speed, ran an average of 212 meters farther and felt more feelings of pleasure after rinsing their mouths with a pink colored drink than after rinsing it with an identical clear beverage. Findings from our study combine the art of gastronomy with performance nutrition as adding a pink colorant to an artificially sweetened solution not only enhanced the perception of sweetness, but also enhanced feelings of pleasure, self-selected running speed, and distance covered during the run, said the study author. Study limitations include the small sample size, a limited age range, and the fact that all participants were experienced runners. The findings appear in Frontiers in Nutrition. Article 8, Mental Health, Physical Activity, and the Pandemic. 
A recent online survey of physical activity levels and mental health status among 1,669 subjects during the pandemic in Canada shows a relationship between declines in physical activity and mental health outcomes. McMaster University researchers in Hamilton, Ontario, conducted the study to determine what it is about the pandemic that's been making people less active and causing shifts in people's motivators and perceived barriers to being physically active. Data analysis showed that respondents who experienced the most deterioration in mental health were also the least active. Paradoxically, these people benefit the most from physical activity. Consider offering the following suggestions to help your clients become more active again. Schedule activities to eliminate decision-making and choice. Do activities you personally enjoy. Listen to favorite music. Train with a friend. Try lower intensity activities. Get creative, use body weight or easily available tools. Go outside and be in nature. Even though exercise comes with the promise of reducing anxiety, many respondents felt too anxious to exercise, said the principal investigator and study author. Likewise, although exercise reduces depression, respondents who were more depressed were less motivated to get active, and a lack of motivation is a symptom of depression. The research is published in PLOS One. Article 9 the Move Your Mental Health Report. In the aftermath of the pandemic, communities need effective solutions to address the surge in mental health issues. An overwhelming body of research supports the beneficial role of exercise and increased physical activity to address mental health conditions, depression and anxiety in particular. Fitness professionals who understand these issues have an opportunity to play a valuable role to further this conversation, the John W. Brick Mental Health Foundation is offering the Move Your Mental Health Report, an overview of more than a thousand studies published between 1990 and 2020 that show the impact of physical activity on mental health outcomes. The report, an invaluable resource for those promoting physical activities benefits, is organized by type of exercise, by mental health condition or outcome, and by numbers and types of studies in each category, regardless of whether the results were statistically significant or not. The report represents a landmark in our understanding of the relationship between physical activity and mental well-being and is a guidepost for future research. The free report is available at www.johnwbrickfoundation.org. That concludes the readings for headlines. Many thanks to author and contributing editor Shirley Archer Eichenberger for her research and writing. Next up, I will read 13 articles from our Food for Thought News section. These were researched by our colleague, Matthew Cady, a registered dietitian and cookbook author, who is also a James Beard award-winning journalist. These articles were originally published in our September-October 2021 issue of Fitness Journal. In addition to the link in the show notes, 
The articles and the quiz can also be found at ideafit.com and under the Articles tab. Article 1. More meals prepared away from home may lead to shorter lifespans. It can feel like a treat to step away from the stove and order in. Scientists, however, have a new warning about getting too comfy with the convenience. In a study published in the Journal of the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, researchers looked at a very large pool of Americans involved in the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey. They found that those who very frequently ate meals prepared outside of their home, that's twice or more daily, increased their risk of early mortality by 49% when compared with those who ordered out once a week or less. The team defined meals prepared outside the home as those put together at restaurants, supermarkets, food vendors, and so on. The likely why comes back to what people are eating rather than where the food is prepared. Meals prepared outside the home are typically higher in calories, saturated fat, sodium and sugar, and that places people at higher risk for ailments like heart disease and type 2 diabetes. Self-reported studies like these can show only a pattern of association. They can't conclusively say that frequent eating out causes early death. However, this research does present a strong argument for encouraging people to prepare more of their meals at home and for asking food providers to offer more healthy options. That way, a once-in-a-while date-night or pizza party should not derail healthy eating goals. Article 2. Swayed by what you weigh. Individuals with obesity tend to be more swayed by food marketing, but when their weight drops, so does their responsiveness to marketing claims. This is according to a study in the Journal of Consumer Psychology. The research showed that both obese and normal weight participants underestimated the calorie content of not-so-healthy snacks that were branded as healthy, but the effect was more pronounced in people with obesity than in those who had lost a significant amount of weight. In theory, this difference in how food advertising is perceived could make it more challenging for overweight individuals to drop pounds. It's not clear whether people become less susceptible to marketing because of physiological changes following weight loss, including hormonal changes, neurological shifts, or alterations to gut microbiome, or because of psychological changes, including an increased desire to alter lifestyles and habits. Article 3, A New Pandemic Side Effect By probing into how the pandemic affected eating habits in young adults with an average age of 25, investigators at the University of Minnesota Medical School and School of Public Health revealed correlations to six unhealthy eating behaviors. Here they are mindless eating and snacking, increased food consumption, generalized decrease in appetite or dietary intake, eating to cope, pandemic-related reductions in dietary intake, and reemergence or marked increase in eating disorder symptoms. The study showed that these outcomes were associated with poorer stress management, greater depressive symptoms, and moderate or extreme financial difficulties. 
Most concerning was the reemergence of or rise in eating disorders, which can be fatal. Because the consequences of the pandemic will likely persist long beyond when the last vaccine is administered, it's vital that necessary dietary interventions are easily accessible and widely disseminated to those suffering from or at high risk for these eating concerns. Article 4. Salty Sensitivity More than 100 million Americans suffer from high blood pressure, placing them at increased risk for heart attack and stroke. A new study published in Hypertension took a fresh look at the salt shaker's role. Researchers found that individuals with high sensitivity to salt had a 43% greater risk for developing high blood pressure over an average of 7.4 years compared with those who had a moderate salt sensitivity. Sensitivity levels were determined by putting people on a seven-day low-salt diet, followed by a seven-day high-salt diet. The findings, based on data from 1,604 adults in China, indicate that salt sensitivity is a cause rather than a consequence of high blood pressure. This study supports the idea of finding ways to gauge salt sensitivity in the general population as a method to better combat hypertension. Future research could identify genetic variants or other biomarkers for salt sensitivity. Article 5. Athletes can bring on the carbs. In recent years, a number of athletes have tried their hands at the ketogenic diet, believing this very low-carb diet will lead to metabolic changes that prompt prioritization of fat burning for energy. To suss out what literature had to say on eating keto for better performance, researchers from Tufts University reviewed a handful of past studies involving endurance athletes from various disciplines, including running and cycling. The reviewers particularly examined changes in the VO2 max, a measure of peak oxygen uptake that correlates strongly with performance in aerobic exercise. Overall, the research reviews, published in the Journal of the International Society of Sports Nutrition, concluded that the current state of science does not clearly support using keto diets to improve VO2 max and other performance outcomes during endurance sports. However, the study author stated that research on the topic is currently too limited to make any firm conclusions. More studies are needed that involve athletes of both sexes and in other types of sports. For now, it seems there's no reason for athletes to step away from the pasta. Article 6. Don't wolf down your dinner. How often do you stare down at an empty bowl and wonder where all that food went? In today's fast-paced world, too many of us are guilty of speed eating. But failing to linger over meals could be one more reason why the waistlines of Americans are continuing to inflate. Findings published in Clinical Obesity revealed that adults and children who reported eating fast tend to have a higher body mass index and bigger waistlines than those who eat more slowly. Quick eating makes people prone to eating more than necessary because it takes a bit of time for the body to recognize a sense of fullness. The study also showed that people who grew up with siblings tend to eat much faster than those who didn't, 
although the results did not link this directly to weight gain and obesity. If people grew up with siblings, they probably competed for whatever was on the table, prompting them to scarf things down. And the presence of siblings at a meal may have been a distraction from mindful eating, leading to a faster eating rate. Article 7, Term of the Day, Relative Energy Deficiency in Sport. Relative Energy Deficiency in Sport, or RED-S, is a fairly new term that describes a mismatch between the calorie intake by athletes and the calories they expend during training, leaving inadequate energy available to properly support bodily functions necessary for health and performance. Red S has been linked to weakened bones, low testosterone in male athletes, low estrogen in female athletes, higher levels of stress hormones, changes in resting metabolism, impaired immunity, and menstrual disturbances. Because of the higher rates of energy expenditure in endurance athletes, such as runners, they are at greater risk from suffering from low energy availability and associated health complications, so they require adequate education on the importance of meeting caloric needs of training. Article 8. Colleague Coercion? Coworkers can shape each other's food choices. If you want to help keep your clients' diets on track, you may want to sleuth out the eating habits of the coworkers they have lunch with. Using cash register data to identify dining partners, investigators at the Mongon Institute Health Policy Research Center at Massachusetts General Hospital discovered that employees' cafeteria purchases, both healthy and unhealthy foods, were influenced by their co-workers' food choices. Based on the assessments of 3 million encounters between pairs of hospital employees making cafeteria purchases together over two years, the researchers found that food purchases by people who were connected to each other were consistently more alike than they were different. So if the person you're eating lunch with orders a plate of fries, it seems more likely you'll do so as well. Why do people who are socially connected choose similar foods? The almighty peer pressure is one explanation. People may change their eating behavior to fortify a relationship with someone in their social circle. Co-workers may also subtly and not so subtly pressure one another to choose certain foods, for better or worse. The research demonstrates that an intervention that improves healthy eating in a particular group, such as offering discounts on salad orders, will also be of value to individuals socially connected to that group. Article 9. Say cheers to using less social media. Here's another strike against social media dependence. British researchers studied 6,700 youth ages 10 through 19 and found that 18% of those in the 10 to 15 age group drank alcohol at least monthly, with an increased risk of more frequent drinking for each additional hour spent on social media. The findings reported in Addiction also showed that 30% of teens ages 16 through 19 reported drinking at least weekly, with those spending over an hour each day on social media having an increased likelihood to binge drink. 
negative experiences at sites like Snapchat, Instagram, and TikTok, or exposure to alcohol ads could be behind the link. Article 10, hungry again? Why do some of us suffer from more hunger pangs? Comparing what happened when 1,070 participants ate the same test meals, researchers from King's College London found large variations in blood sugar responses. Those who experienced big dips in blood sugar levels, as measured using a stick-on continuous glucose monitor, felt much hungrier and consumed an average of 312 more calories during the day than those with a more modest blood sugar response. Interestingly, there was no correlation between age, body weight, or body mass index and being a big or little dipper. This suggests for the first time that sugar dips are a better predictor of hunger and subsequent calorie intake than the initial blood sugar peak response after eating and that different people respond differently to the same foods. The difference in metabolism could be another reason why some people struggle to lose weight, even when trying to eat a calorie-controlled, healthy diet. The future of personalized nutrition using wearable technology could help people pair their unique biology with foods that help them feel fuller for longer. And this, in turn, could help them eat less overall. Article 11, Time to Feed Your Muscles More Veggies. While protein is the go-to nutrient for building strong muscles, new research suggests that vegetables are important too. As reported in the Journal of Nutrition, Australian researchers discovered that among 3,759 adults, those who consumed the most dietary nitrates over 12 years performed 11% better on a test for lower limb strength and 4% better on a test to assess muscle speed and agility than people who typically ate the least nitrates. Nitrates are found in vegetables, including beets, spinach, watercress, celery, cabbage, and parsley. These nitrates are converted in the body to nitric oxide, which dilates or opens up blood vessels, boosting blood flow and oxygen delivery to build extra capable muscles. And here's some bonus information. A separate investigation in the European Journal of Epidemiology suggests that eating just one cup of nitrate-rich veggies daily can slash blood pressure numbers and lower the chances of developing heart disease by up to 26%. Article 12, Sugar Babies. Sugar in baby formula? Yep, it's there too. Breast milk is the recommended source of nutrition for infants. For various reasons, however, some mothers turn to bottle formulas to nourish their children. But the added sugars, such as corn syrup, in some formula milk can lead to excessive weight gain. That was the key finding of a study in the Journal of Nutrition, which discovered that primarily formula-fed infants, 9 to 12 months, and toddlers, 13 to 15 months, consumed about twice as much added sugar and crossed a weight-for-age percentile faster than those in the same age group who were mostly nourished by breast milk. 
The concern here is that formula feeding can contribute to childhood obesity and that drinking lots of added sugar as a baby may foster a desire for sweet things later in life. Shocking is the fact that there are so few regulations in place to control sugar content in store-bought formulas and to make sure that consumers are well informed. Article 13, question of the month. Is it time to chop out processed meat? An analysis of data from the Prospective Urban Rule Epidemiology Study involving 21 countries found that consumption of processed meat may raise the risk of major heart disease by 46% and premature death by 51% compared with not eating any. Use of food preservatives and food additives, including salt, may account for why the process types, like bacon or sausage, are more harmful than the other. A limitation of this study, which appeared in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition, is that researchers didn't look at what people with low processed meat consumption ate instead. It's possible that their better health outcomes could partly stem from loading up on more whole foods like vegetables. Echoing these results was a study presented at the 2021 Annual Congress of the European Association of Preventive Cardiology. This study found that in a cohort of 19,408 participants, higher consumption of processed meats was linked with poor cardiac function, adverse ventricular remodeling, and higher arterial stiffness, all indicators of worsening heart health. And here's more reason to pause before ordering from the deli counter. British investigators were able to link eating 25 grams of processed meat daily with a 44% higher risk of dementia among nearly 494,000 people ages 40 to 69. Interestingly, consuming 50 grams of unprocessed meat daily, including beef, veal, or pork, was linked to a 19% lower risk of dementia. Notably, those who consumed higher amounts of processed meats were more likely to be overweight or obese and had lower intakes of fruits and vegetables and consumed more calories in fat, including saturated fat. Have you given up eating sausages and other processed meats? Do you think processed meats can still be enjoyed in moderation? Why do you think processed meats might be worse for health than other forms of meat? Send your answers to Sandy Todd Webster at swebster at ideafit.com. That marks the end of the reading on Food for Thought. Many thanks to Matthew Cady for his research and excellent writing of our popular food and nutrition news section. This also concludes the education in this episode of the Idea Listen and Learn CEC podcast. I'm so happy you joined me for this episode. I appreciate your attention and your dedication to being the best professional you can be. Quick reminder that this education has been approved for one CEC by more than 25 certification agencies. In order to claim the CEC, you'll need to pass a short quiz, which is available to purchase in the IDEA store. The link is in the show notes. Use coupon code SOFJ2021 to get 20% off the CEC quiz. 
And remember that this is completely free for IdeaFit Plus members. Stay tuned, we'll have more exciting content that has been approved for CECs coming soon.